feature presentation. Welcome back to another Untitled Movie Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside he's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. Matt, I'm in need of a of a vacation, man. I just I need yeah. to I need to get out of there and, and 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 I think most people are feeling that way right now, you know, with having spent almost two years uh, you know, cooped up inside. Uh, you know, the 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 one relief that we have, you know, in terms of escapist entertainment is uh, John Cena. <laughs> is John Cena and also the movies. The movies. Um, speaking of John Cena in reference to F9. Um and today we have a film that I feel in, basically encapsulates uh, everything that is completely dated with mm-hmm. comedies, um, mm-hmm. especially when you have a script that's been kicking around since like 2005, God, uh, yeah. right? Like even earlier than that, where like it feels like a, 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 a premise that would have been maybe a little bit more popular if it came out in the era of, you know, Wedding Crashers and the 40 year old virgin. Yeah, I don't disagree with you there. Yeah, today we are reviewing Clay Tarver's Vacation Friends, starring uh, John Cena, Lil Rel Howery, uh, Yvonne Orji, yep. uh, Meredith Hagner, uh, Robert Wisdom, uh, and more. Um, it is going to be released on Hulu in the United States and Disney uh, Star Plus in Canada and where Star Plus is available. So it is a streaming film, a former 20th Century Studios picture that was originally, I, I assume, uh, a theatrical film that once the Disney takeover happened, they decided to put on streaming and it's, I think the right place for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't mean that as an insult to all streaming movies. Cause obviously we've gotten um, some good ones, but you just mean this is an insult to the film specifically a little bit. Like, I mean, it's again, I think uh, you'll, I don't maybe dislike it as much as, as you do. I think it's mostly fine, but kind of I'm indifferent to it with a a few laughs scattered here and there with some random sight gags, but um, it does streaming feels like the right spot for this movie. Like I, I'm not offended that if you were on Hulu or star plus that you'd be like, I'm going to throw on this John Cena, little rel Howery like comedy. And then you're kind of like, Oh, I laughed a few times and then you forget about it. But um, that being said, it should be like 81 minutes instead of 103. (laughs) I think you literally just summed up the whole film perfectly and how I even feel about it. Like I'm not offended by the movie per se. It's just, that i think it overstays its welcome and it just kind of feels uh really dated and you can tell that the script which you know has i think five you know credited writers on there um, it is five writers yeah tom mullen tim mullen so clay tarver jonathan goldstein and john francis daly yeah so jonathan goldstein and john francis daly are um a writing duo who are also responsible for writing and directing the reboot of national lampoon's vacation uh vacation with uh ed helms which was also spider-man homecoming yeah they but they were one of like seven writers on that uh the Ed Helms vacation movie is also one of the worst comedies in recent memories, even worse than this. So I think that there's a theme here, just maybe not write or direct anything that has the word vacation in it. Uh, (laughs) They did direct game night, which wasn't horrible. No, no, no game night game night is, but they didn't write that. (laughs) 
Game Night is a it's a very fun film, and obviously, like the takeaway from that is like, okay, what if David Fincher directed a comedy? Um, but with Vacation Friends, what you have here uh, is a concept that is again out of the early two thousands, and it's essentially uh, a buddy comedy that has that kind of same quality of the snob and slob working together and then also kind of bonding over the course of, you know, the period of the film, you know, you think of something like planes, trains and automobiles, or even what about Bob are the two films that I kept thinking about while watching this, where you have Lil Rel Howery um, and Yvonne uh, Orji who play a couple that are uh, on vacation in Mexico as the film begins. And, you know, everything is prearranged and planned. Lil Rel Howery's Marcus is planning to propose to uh, Orji's uh, Emily and you know, as comedies usually go, something goes awry. Hijinks ensue. Hijinks ensue as soon as another uh, vacationing couple played by John Cena, who plays Ron, I think, which is one of the funniest things about the movie is that Ron Cena is playing Ron. a guy named Ron. <laughs> Ron and, Cena. Yeah, and, and Meredith Hager playing uh, Kayla um, and sort of them being a more free spirit. Kyla, pardon me, uh, playing a more free spirited, um, you know, daring couple that are are adventurous and throw sort of the rules out of the uh, out of the window and sort of that coupling of those two pairs becomes a kind of week that they'll never forget but also a very exhausting one and you brought up a, a really good point while we were watching the film that this sort of vacation montage that you have of you know them partying and drinking and getting In high different mexican and cities and almost feels like it takes place over the course of a day, because as the story begins, you know, Lil Rel Howery has this proposal planned. And as soon as they get to their five star resort, everything goes awry. And the place that they were going to stay is completely flooded by a jacuzzi. And then there are no more rooms. Yeah. And you think almost like, okay, well, since, you know, <clears throat> basically John Cena and, and Meredith Hager have invited them into, you know, their presidential suite. Um, you think it's almost more like a send off, like the, they're just going to leave because all the. Well, other- he even says that I'm. We'll stay one night. Right? Yeah, exactly. And then it goes in. Then it goes into this montage that shows you these different cities that they're partying and and drinking and doing drugs in. And you, I'm like, wow, they covered a lot of ground in one night. And then the film doesn't do a good job at letting you know. Oh no, that was an entire week. But then you made it also a good point to uh, throw it back to you of saying like, well, sometimes you know when you're on a bender like that kind of thing, like uh, you know a week. It feels like a day like yeah. time goes out the window like you just completely are in and you you're just wake up at the end in the of moment yeah. yeah and you don't and you know what you know up from down and and that also adds to some complications that kind of further uh add to uh setting up certain uh payoffs later on but I think one but of the, the vacation is a prologue essentially too. yeah and the, the majority of the movie takes place at the wedding of uh Ky- or not Kyla sorry um uh, Emily. of Marcus and Emily yeah 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 and and what's but what is also interesting about that prologue is it also establishes a kind of strange tone with these sight gags that yeah. are the way that they're shot and the way that they use sort of almost establishing shots to convey the punchline of the joke. And there's also this weird, the punchline I think are usually like a smash cut where like the setup is weirdly like these weird, 
kind of like you said establishing sight gags or weird digital zooms and different things like that yeah and and again like i think i we'll talk more about the digital zoom as we move along but i think that is also referencing both oliver stone's jfk and there's an episode of well there's an episode of there is an episode of seinfeld that does like anybody who who watched seinfeld yeah. will remember there's an episode where uh both kramer and Newman get hit by this loogie and they do this weird kind of flashback and almost like archival footage esque sort of style where like the camera zooms in on where the loogie is coming from, like where, you know, the shooter is coming from. And, sure, sure. And that almost feels a little bit similar to a final destination, you know, uh, Rue Goldberg kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of series a, of unfortunate events, events that yeah, lead yeah. to a, 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 not only, uh, a sight gag but also a Chekhov's gun payoff where in that prologue one of John's John Cena plays a park ranger who like one of his sort of uh talents I guess it would be a party trick or a novelty is that he can tell when birds are going to crap and yeah. it's like it's the weirdest sort of reference to have and and pay off later on in the movie and that's what the movie kind of is it's just kind of a, a series of weird payoffs and weird uh sight gags that like often miss um and don't really land but like the odd time you will get like well, a they do land but they laugh. just go splat yeah i mean but there are the odd thing like they crash a boat earlier in the movie that i is a funny like that's one of the first sight gags in the movie that i kind of laughed at because it was weird but then like you uh brought up earlier and, and i already kind of mentioned is that it just kind of overstays its welcome where i think by the time that prologue ends and they're um that that you move on to this wedding um and you know everything you know obviously comes back from what they did on that trip but like you just kind of it loses steam and i feel like you know when we talked about how well john cena was used in the suicide squad which we reviewed which you guys can check out on this um channel on podcast services we that was pre-video untitled movie reviews um we talked about how well john cena was used in that film and how poorly he's used in f9 and then here i think it kind of falls somewhere in the middle where it's obviously more pure comedy but it's still that john cena that i feel like is struggling as an actor and you can tell that like he's trying really really hard to either you know you said he's played against type he's you know he's supposed to be this loose kind of wild man in this movie when everyone knows john cena as this kind of you know wwe company man um but i i don't know like he doesn't really kind of work i like little rel howry um i like well, even he's struggling i think a little bit yeah. because he's playing the lead but also the straight man in kind of this quartet of characters where you know he wants everything to go as planned because he also wants to impress his future father-in-law is played by robert wisdom of uh the wire and supernatural and also has a very um infamous sex scene in todd salons's uh storytelling with uh, okay. selma blair where if if people who have seen that movie will know what i'm talking about um and it's kind of funny to see like how that character who is a former green beret bonds with john cena's ron who's also a green beret and then again like it, it, it that's kind of playing up into the the you know what about bob kind of scenario where i feel lil rel howry is more on the richard dreyfus side of things even though he's not completely you know, accepted by uh, Emily's more elitist parents. And especially with, you know, his backstory of being, um, you know, in a previous relationship and, and being divorced and also being 
you know, uh, owning a construction working company and, and being the boss of that. But again, being looked down upon by Emily's family as somebody that is blue collar work, yeah. worker type and not even the owner. They always refer to him as a construction worker. So you kind of know where the beats are of this plot and where it's all going. And oh, again, yeah. like it feels like some of it has obviously been updated to be modern but it also feels like some of it has been smoothed over where you think like oh is this going to go into some like gay panic humor or something mm-hmm, like that mm-hmm. and it never goes there it, it, it which is good it chooses to go into a more wacky kind of setup or scenario for the characters but i almost wish they kind of restructured this whole thing where it just kind of feels like they went in and just did some touch-ups on the script over the years to keep yeah. it a little bit fresh or modern in terms of being with the times even though it is very dated in its um humor especially when it comes to uh the the sort of sight gags but also just the awkward sort of delivery of you know situations being told by you know these characters especially with like the mexico stuff and like you know we got to keep mexico quiet and again there's this other weird revelation that's kind of simmering underneath the surface where there's something i think there that's worth exploring and the movie never has the guts or ambition to do so especially once the reveal is made of what happens on this sort of wild night where little rel is is kind of sweating a little bit and i think that where it goes it's like okay like this this is kind of interesting and maybe add some complications or or sort of a a wrinkle in one of the characters and developing them as as you know a a three-dimensional individual but then they kind of just leave it as more of just like you know uh, a relief for little rel howry's character overall and that's kind of boring and yeah, i think yeah and even then with the revelation like i mean or not the revelation but like the movie could have touched upon you know um you know uptight people and loosening up and just being a little bit more of a free spirit and kind of not taking your life too seriously or focusing on work and all this kind of stuff but it kind of just uses that as you know um a beginning entry point to why these two couples don't work together. And I don't think it really kind of dives deep into that of, of loosening up and and letting your anxieties go and just kind of learning from one another. Like, I don't think the movie really like it sort of does by the end, but I, but feel it's like, so inconsistent as yeah. well because there are times where, you know, the, the party crashers of this situation are more accepted by Emily's family and embraced by Emily's family. But then there are other mm-hmm. moments where they are still sort of considered to be, you know, outsiders. And then With the Waffle just, House conversation. At yeah. The spa and yeah. Like, and it um, just kind of feels like, again, it's totally inconsistent with the characters how it's and the writing and, and any one yeah. scene you could have those moments where it's like, okay, these characters are, are, are better liked. And it's almost maybe like this internal competition between, you know, these vacation friends and, and the rest of the family and, you know, to have the bride and groom sort of trying to prove themselves. But then there are other scenes where the bride and groom are on the same side as the family, you know, and are like, yeah, we get it. We, these, these people are out there and, and, and totally out to lunch. So it's, it's never completely, um, sort of consistent in terms of its character story and its arcs. And then also in the third act, it interjects, you know, this unearned emotion where you're supposed yeah. to really care for everybody, at least the four main characters and, and find sort of, again, um, this additional depth 
uh, to who they and are. And it all comes way too quickly, even though the movie is overlong and, and the emotional stuff isn't earned. Um, going back to the dated humor, there's a dr- drug sequence that feels like it's ripped from, you know... <laughs> Like it almost looks like movies. it almost looks like the and, um like a scene or a clip from the music video for D12's um uh Purple Hills yeah is, or Purple Pills, Pills yeah yeah, yeah well, um, Hills was the censored version I version think, yeah. right right and and yeah and to your point and when you get to that moment because we had to stop because I had to I had to take a call but we were at like 45 minutes and we and saw was, that there was like 52 left. <laughs> yeah. And that's where like the film really does start to weigh on you a little bit. Yeah. And I think I would be even more generous to it if it was a clean and quick 85 where this just goes on and on and on to the point where even though it's still not a long movie, but it feels longer because it is so predictable and boring. And yeah, I laughed at times, but I laughed more so at how just idiotic and dumb the yeah. the jokes were in terms of stretching uh you know a sight gag or you know coming back to something and it just yeah. felt again like by the time you're finished with this movie you're like emily and marcus and you just want to never see these people again. yeah it definitely overstayed its welcome just like they did right yeah and you <laughs> like, mentioned the waffle house stuff which i think is great product placement for them um and then also made me the- want to go to a waffle house and i haven't been to one since my family took a cross-country trip to florida we stopped at a waffle house i think which was 10 plus years ago i've never had the steaks there i've never been either i've been to an ihop but i've never been to a a waffle house but the other thing that i think also is quickly worth noting is how bad the green screen uh, is at the beginning (laughs) of the movie there's like this main kind of like cliff sequence like pride rocks and you're just looking at it and you're just like you know if this was made even in the early 2000s it would be bad but even yeah. now especially it stands out really, really with poorly. disney money you think that they would want to like maybe touch oh, that they weren't putting any bit. extra money into this dude <laughs> they inherited this and they were like all right where are we putting this um because yeah there's a sequence that multiple times takes place at this cliff uh where they go cliff jumping and and you know uh their mexican uh, marriage happens and um yeah, it's so poorly done. Like you can tell the cliff is built on a soundstage um, and then you can just tell everything around them is green screened. And there's a couple like egregious moments that are just like not even when they're standing and it's facing the one way. It's like when they're walking back into the cave and you see like the horizon with the water. It just looks so bad. And then, uh, you know, and then I mean, all the stuff at the resort. I mean, you don't get much of it. It's just that montage through the cities and even that. um you know, it it goes by so quickly that I don't know. It's that nothing really feels super well done in it. It's just I didn't have an awful time. I laughed uh, a few times throughout, like you said, uh, but mostly it was kind of laughing at the movie, not with it. And um, I just ultimately found it super forgettable. Um, I don't think that it's going to be the worst decision if you throw it on if it's on a streaming service. But um, I agree with you that it does feel like something that probably should have been made twenty years ago. Yeah, it 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 overstays its welcome, but if you're going to watch it, it does make sense to watch it on a streaming service like Disney Yeah, Plus I totally Star. understand why they just dumped it on streaming. Like Yeah, like it almost feels like the equivalent of like if Adam Sandler were to do sort of a makeshift mm-hmm. comedy over at Netflix, you know. Yeah. He would want to spend some time in, you know, Mexico or a nice resort, know, resort yeah. somewhere and then like I mean obviously as we've been talking about the the wedding stuff takes place in Atlanta. 
Um, most of the movie takes place like, at this wedding. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so a lot of the advertising for this film is mostly focused on you the, know, the stuff in Mexico <laughs> and not the, the wedding nuptials and things like that, which again kind of plays into you know, a, a, a treasure trove of cliches and tropes that you've seen time and time again uh, in sort of comedy scenarios where, you know, the elites are pitted against the populist crowd and sort of, you know, they come together at the get, at, at the end and they find, you know, they can put aside their differences and, and, and find something, you know, a common ground. And that's ultimately where it, it goes and the emotional kind of beats in those final scenes and you know especially with with marcus and sort of a big reveal with him being you know having been previously married and looked down upon for that and why you know he ended up separating from his first wife it's like it just it's something that you think that these people would have had conversations about beforehand oh, with yeah. families and friends i already and... forget why <laughs> that's how, yeah how but much like to like... just come up like at yeah. the wedding in terms of like oh this is why I was I was previously married. Like you think that mm-hmm. he might have had that conversation with his future f- father in law, father and, and, and like mother in law. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. No, I feel that. Um, I'm gonna give the movie a two point five out of five. I'm gonna give it a two out of five. Totally fair. Totally fair. Um, thank you all for listening and watching. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, we are uh, untitled. We do uh, movie reviews, podcasts, conversations weekly. If you're just listening for the first time, uh, and if you're a longtime listener, thank you so much. Uh, we have many other reviews that you guys can check out right now. Um, we just started doing video versions. So on YouTube right now, uh, we have reviews for Shang-Chi and Candyman that you guys can go check out with. But on our podcast version, which you can subscribe to on podcast services everywhere, we have reviews up right now for uh, The Night House, uh, Paw Patrol, Marvel Studios, What If, the three episodes that are available right now, Vivo, Annette, Free Guy, Suicide Squad, The Suicide Squad, uh, The Green Knight, and many, many more. Uh, We have another show called The Untitled Movie Podcast that you guys can check out on YouTube or podcast services as well. Uh, Our 100th episode just went up uh, where we talk about Flamin' Hot Cheetos Mac and Cheese, uh, the uh, origins of the Untitled Movie Podcast and Untitled in general. Um, We also have a trailer reaction for Spider-Man No Way Home that's on YouTube and on the Untitled Movie Conversations podcast channel. Uh, so we're everywhere. And um, if that's too complicated, you can just head over to Letterboxd. Our HQ is untitled underscore movies. And you can kind of get a one-stop shop of everything we do. All the links to our social channels, all of our reviews, the YouTube videos, everything's over there. So uh, your best bet is to just head over to Letterboxd, untitled underscore movies, and you can get everything there. Uh, as always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can uh, find more of my work around the internet, but mostly right here on Untitled. And you can follow me on all those social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. And I'm Eric Marchand. You can find more of my video reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at EM6211. Until next time. Bring Waffle House to Canada. Bring Waffle House to Canada.